Enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Signing up and playing is so easy. Simply sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. When you register with BetMGM, you can get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, and the best daily promotions in the business. And with BetMGM at your fingertips, every play and every game matter more than ever. Place your money line, prop, and parlay bets with the king of sports books today. Sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets. If you don't win your first bet, that's right, up to $1,500. Again, sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. BetMGM and Game Sense remind you to play responsibly. 21 plus in President Ohio, subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER in partnership with MGM Northfield Park. That's 1-800-GAMBLER. Focus Features presents Back to Black. I want people to hear my voice and just forget their troubles. Experience the music and her story. Know this. I ain't no Spice Girl. Like never before. That's my daughter. That's my Amy. On the big screen. I want to be remembered. For just being me. Amy Winehouse. Back to Black. Directed by Sam Taylor Johnson. Rated R. Under 17. Not a minute without parent. Only in theaters May 17th. Bean Dad, The Dress, 30 to 50 Feral Hogs. If you knew what any of those were, you spend too much time online. And hey, I do too. 16th Minute of Fame is a new weekly podcast hosted by me, Jamie Loftus. And every week we take a closer look at an internet character of the day. Who are they? What made them so notorious? How did the internet or the algorithm choose them? And what does a person do when they're suddenly confronted with more attention than the human psyche can handle? Listen to 16th Minute of Fame on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Welcome, everyone, back to It Could Happen Here, a podcast about things falling apart and sometimes stuff that's slightly less depressing than that. But not today. Today, today we're talking about the falling apart sort of thing uh, and our our, you know, continuing coverage of what we like to call the crumbles here today leads us to a little state called New Mexico and specifically a little city in New Mexico called Albuquerque. Um, if you have been kind of casually skimming the news uh, about the American Southwest, you might be aware that the governor of New Mexico has recently announced a ban on citizens carrying openly or concealed with a license firearms within the county that contains Albuquerque. Um, the justification for this is a recent surge in gun violence uh, in the state, uh, most of which is centered on Albuquerque. Um, and this is, there's a, been a pretty, over the last, specifically the last year, uh, a pretty dramatic increase in the number of shootings. Uh, from 2021 to 2022, the number of shootings in Albuquerque, um, or murders, I should say, most of which are shootings also, about 84%. The number of murders in Albuquerque almost doubled. I think it's, in, and I think still, you know, it's gone down a little bit this year, but there's still about 50% uh, higher than the normal rate. Um, now, uh, as you might guess from the fact that uh, you've probably watched Breaking Bad 15 years ago or whatever, um, the drug trade, drug trafficking, drug deals gone bad uh, have something to do with this. But I think this year, 
about 17, something like that, 17, 20% of, of the uh, the homicides in Albuquerque are drug-related. But a much higher number, above 70%, um, the police have given the uh, sort of kind of primary cause as individual disrespect. Um, now, what does that mean? Well, it means kind of what you think of it. People getting into shit with each other and somebody pulls a gun, right? Um, a lot of these have been traffic related. And in fact, the the shooting that kind of most directly inspired the governor's uh, controversial legal measure was a road rage incident um, about, uh, what was this? Uh, yeah, on uh, September 9th, I think it was, um, an 11-year-old boy was shot and killed in a road rage incident. Uh, as his family was leaving a minor league baseball game. Um, it looks like his aunt cut off another driver. Uh, the driver followed them and fired 17 shots into the car. The 11-year-old boy was killed, and his aunt is still in uh, in the hospital uh, in unstable condition, uh, at least last I checked. Um, after this shooting, and this is, by the way, you know, prior to this, there was another case where a little kid, I think a four-year-old, was killed in another road rage shooting incident. Um, we don't know who shot the kid in this instance. We don't know if it was, a, for example, a citizen legally carrying a firearm or somebody, um, although in the state of uh, uh, New Mexico, you are allowed to carry uh, a, a loaded firearm in your vehicle. Um, you're not allowed to walk around with it concealed without a license, but you're allowed to conceal it in your vehicle. The shooting that preceded this one, the road rage shooting, wasn't a legal shooting. It was because the guy was a drug dealer. He had illegal drugs on him, all that stuff. But yeah, it's messy. So uh, in, re in, re uh, in response to the governor's um, proclamation, um, there have been uh, quite a bit of uh, people have gotten angry in part because the Supreme Court ruled fairly recently that you have a, a right to carry a concealed firearm. There are some barriers states can set up in terms of licensing, but you can't stop people from carrying like you have to have a legal avenue for people to carry concealed firearms. That's something that the Supreme Court has said you have a right to do. And governors do not have the right to uh, overrule that sort of thing on public health grounds. So this has become a, an increasingly contentious issue. We're going to talk about some of the things that have followed from this, but I want to bring on our source for the day, Lucas Herndon. Lucas is a New Mexico-based activist, um, someone we've had on the show before, uh, as well as a, a gun owner. Lucas, uh, welcome to the program. Thanks, Robert. Good to be back, sort of, as always. Yeah, 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 yeah. It's, this is a messy one. <laughs> Yeah. Um, yeah. So that was a good a good summary of uh, of of what got us here. Um, this uh, the the executive order was dropped Friday afternoon and um, I <laughs> I immediately went to my work chat and said, uh, hold on, y'all, this is going to be a wild weekend. And as you can imagine, it was there has been incredible responses from sort of everybody uh, on the sort of, yeah, despite political ideologies, um, the responses have been swift and ranging in their um, loudness, let's say. Mm -hmm. uh, and it's created a yeah, national buzz. Um, a number of right wing talking heads from the state have now, you know, been brought into national talking spaces. Uh, we have seen the news bounce around the far right uh, blogosphere and you know it's made it to alex jones and that kind of ilk um yeah but then of course you know and so obviously there's the there's that far end of the spectrum and you know then there's the response here in the state uh which is 
you know, ranging from supportive to indifferent to angry to all, you know, all the different things you can think of. Yeah. One of the things people may be kind of confused about this. One of the things that's problematic about this is specifically the fact that it is restricting citizens who have concealed carry permits from continuing to carry uh, in in the county. Uh, States have a right to at least currently the Supreme Court has not you know ruled counter to that currently have a right to restrict people from open carrying. And you have a right to restrict people from doing stuff like have unlicensed carrying a handgun in your car, right? Uh, in the state of Oregon, for example, you cannot carry a loaded weapon in your vehicle without a concealed carry permit. Um, as far as I'm aware, there's not been any sort of constitutional challenge to that. There may be in the future. Um, but the Supreme Court you know, has, has ruled very differently on the issue of concealed uh, firearms. And so that's a problem because you know, regardless of what you think about how the law on concealed carry of firearms should be, the, the f- idea of a governor overturning a right like that, access to a right like that based on what they call a public health emergency is, is deeply concerning. You know, which is why you've had, you know, a surprising people come out against this, including David Hogg, who's one of the, the Parkland kids and a, a gun control advocate who said, you know, <laughs> the governor simply doesn't have the right to do this, which is kind of more or less where I land. Um, yeah. And, you know, and just to just to be clear, right, I'm I'm not an attorney, uh, but yeah, I, yeah. I, I am a gun owner and, and uh, have exercised that right since I was legally allowed to do so at 18, which was very long ago at this point. Um, so, yeah, I've been. I have been a New Mexico gun owner paying attention to things uh, and and how those laws affect me for quite a while. Um, One of the yeah, one of the interesting things about the executive order and you sort of touched on it is that the in in the in the order, it specifically limits um, having a firearm in your vehicle to traveling to any excluded place that she listed in the executive order. Right. So so. There's there's a there's a ban on, you know, carrying unless you're going to like X, Y or Z specific places. And that then is furthered that you can only have a a firearm in your vehicle if you're traveling to one of said places. Um, So, yeah, that's that is in direct uh, contradiction to existing law uh, because New Mexico in ostensibly your home or your car is an extension of your home. you don't there is there there basically is no law about having a car a firearm in your car um which has led to some weird things because so for instance um you can get a DUI on a bicycle and so that law has actually been used that you can carry a concealed firearm like in a backpack on a bicycle but the second you step off the bicycle now you're in violation of the law unless you yeah. have a permit so you know there those specific pieces of gun law and her executive order, even in the state, are at odds, um, let alone whatever the maybe, fe- you know, the federal implications are. Yeah. And I, I think, uh, you know, one of the things that is kind of concerning about this to me is and, and that should be concerning about this to people is that I I don't see how I can see an argument for saying we want to restrict the unlicensed carry of firearms and vehicles, right? Because a, not, a significant number of these shootings seem to have involved that, although it is a little bit unclear. Uh, we don't know who who carried out the most recent road rage shooting, so we don't know if that person was legally allowed to possess a firearm, right? We know that in at least one of the recent shootings that killed a kid, the person was, you know, had 
uh, a dealing amount and what would appear to be a dealing like uh, setup of, you know, it, it was parceled out into baggies marijuana on him, which is illegal. I'm not making a moral statement about that. I don't think it should be illegal to, but it is, it is illegal, right? Like he was not carrying within the bounds of federal law. But restricting people from carrying licensed concealed handguns does not seem, I mean, number one, I, I haven't seen evidence that like that's a, a major driver of gun violence. Uh, but number two, if a, a decent number of these shootings are people acting outside of the bounds of the law, which they appear to be, um, I don't see how restricting people from lawfully carrying a weapon um, is a, is is a something that can um, that's going to make the the problem better, right? Like it seems like you're you're kind of striking at this in an ineffective way that's going to galvanize resistance to any kind of gun control as opposed to going out with kind of a more limited and surgical approach to try and actually tackle the causes of the problem. Yeah, I I mean, I think one of the reasons why being on your show to talk about this is is worth thinking about. The last time I was on uh, was, you know, earlier in the year when um, there we we discovered that the there was a GOP operative who had committed acts of violence uh, in the form of shooting at Democrat elected Democrats uh, up in the Bernalillo County area um, as an act of political violence. And um, worth thinking about is that, you know, he was charged with firing of firing a firearm from a moving vehicle, which is a crime. Like it's, yeah. it's, a, specific, yeah, yes. it's a specific crime, which um, and also like very valid crime. You should not be. Sh- you should never shoot from a moving vehicle. Like that's correct. That's yeah. correct. So the right. So we, you know, again, um, yeah, again, not a lawyer. However, it seems duplicative to have a law on the books that already um, there. It, it is a crime to fire your gun from a car already. Uh, and people who have people who have committed heinous acts of violence by violating that law um, could be and should be charged under that law. First of all, I, let me just say, like, if we believe in a carceral state, because that's a whole other yeah. moral question. However, if for the purposes of this conversation, um, however, if somebody is just driving down the street and has a gun in their car, does that create, you know, are they, a, are you know, are they committing a crime um, that feels um, conflicting and harmful? Yeah. And it's, you know, as you, th- th- there's a couple of things we should talk about here. I, I think, um, one of them is what I what I consider to be a kind of a dishonest um, anti-gun control argument that comes out from time to time, which is the idea that you shouldn't restrict access. You can't restrict access to firearms because criminals won't obey those laws. Um, it's true. Criminals don't obey like people who are committing gun crimes are not obeying the law by definition. They're cr- people who are, are committing gun crimes. But increased availability access to firearms makes it easier for people who are going to be bad actors to acquire firearms right regardless of what you think the legal remedy to that situation is that is a a a pretty undeniable situation i consider this to be quite different because what you are saying in this instance is we are restricting we have people who are not acting legally with firearms they already own so we are going to restrict people who are acting within the bounds of the law with firearms they own from from behaving in a certain way um which i have a serious issue with but i do think that there is a difference you know between those two kind of situations on a pretty fundamental level yeah i i would agree and um and and the disingenuous um 
knee jerk response from the far right over this while completely expected. Um, that's exactly what you know, that's exactly what they're doing, right? They're equating this ill informed, uh, poor, poorly worded, I don't, however you want to say it, they're 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 taking this thing and, and using it as a pretense for all their uh, f- far right propaganda extremes, um, you know, calling to impeach the governor because she's, you know, intending to violate the Constitution or some silliness yeah. like that, um, which is yeah, which is just yeah, it's that's just far right conspiracy masturbation in, in my opinion. Yeah. And it has galvanized them, right? There's been open carry protests already. um, And the sheriff saying, or one of the sheriffs in the area saying, like, I'm not going to, we will not be enforcing this law. Well, and, and yeah, and I think that that's actually maybe something that for this this podcast and for for your audience, for those longtime listeners who've, who followed this show, that to me is actually one of the most maybe interesting and like, crumbles oriented parts of this yes yes absolutely the, yeah um so yeah so yesterday the the bernalillo county sheriff who is an elected official and it is his county that the that this executive order affects um came out and said that he would not enforce it um he said that the uh he'd got he'd barely gotten a, a heads up from the governor um but he did admit that you know she she sort of like reached out to him, said, Hey, I'm going to do this thing. I know you probably won't agree. And he's like, yeah, I don't agree. And she's like, okay, well, we'll figure it out. And he was like, okay, I guess we will. Um, anyway, uh, yeah. So this, he came out made this announcement. He's not going to enforce it. Um, the, the chief of police from the Albuquerque department has more or less made the same, um, intonation, uh, with support from the very, um, progressive democratic, the mayor of Albuquerque who hasn't necessarily outright said he disagrees, but has said that he's more concerned about his officer's safety. And that brings up an interesting point that like, Oh yes. (laughs) Like, yeah. Like, like cops trying to enforce this law. Like that sounds like a recipe for disaster, which is, which is why you didn't see any cops enforcing the, the order at the protest on Sunday. Yeah. Um, Well, it is one of those like, why why would you right like that's such right. a yeah um yeah so the most recent thing this afternoon is that the the state's attorney attorney general um whose whose job it is to defend the state uh or you know officers of the state um has announced that he will not defend the governor in his official capacity uh from the three current lawsuits that have already been filed since friday um yeah. so so yeah, there there basically seems to be this complete lack of support from the from the parts of government that are supposed to do the things, you yeah, know. Yeah, um, absolutely. And and you know, it 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 begs the yeah, it it for those of us that think about these things, it begs the question of um yeah, how far does this go? What is the next, you know, thing that a a sitting governor attempts to pass using administrative power and then isn't yeah. enforced. And what does that mean? And how do we care about this one, but not other things or, you know, whatever. So yeah. those are, those are the questions that, that we're all asking ourselves here in New Mexico. And as somebody who, who works in this field professionally, like we've spent a lot of time in the last 48 hours, like asking ourselves those questions. It's tough. It's there, there is like, there isn't an easy answer on this one. Yeah. 
Enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Signing up and playing is so easy. Simply sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. When you register with BetMGM, you can get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, and the best daily promotions in the business. And with BetMGM at your fingertips, every play and every game matter more than ever. Place your money line, prop, and parlay bets with a king of sports books today. Sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets. If you don't win your first bet, that's right, up to $1,500. Again, sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. BetMGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. 21 plus in President Ohio, subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER in partnership with MGM Northfield Park. That's 1-800-GAMBLER. Bean Dad, The Dress, 30 to 50 Feral Hogs. If you knew what any of those were, you spend too much time online. And hey, I do too. 16th Minute of Fame is a new weekly podcast hosted by me, Jamie Loftus, where every week I take a closer look at an internet character of the day. Who were they? What made them so notorious? Why did the internet choose them? And what does a person do when they're suddenly confronted with more attention than the human psyche can handle? I'll be talking to internet historians, experts, and yes, the main characters themselves to get a fuller picture. Because I think that even outside individual experiences, a character of the day tells us something about how the internet worked at that time and how the attention economy developed into the freaky three-headed dragon it is today. Together, we probably won't be able to properly log out, but we can take a walk down scary internet memory lane and see one day a little more clearly. Listen to 16th Minute of Fame on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. As important as choosing the right destination when traveling is choosing the right travel partner. Gene! Eugene Fodor! Gene, was bought it! Much of the joy you will find on the road comes from the person you share it with. So you write the books, Gene, and Vlastar on the business. I understand now. It's a wise man who marries a wiser woman. But be careful and choose your travel partner well, because the worst trips result when two partners have two different agendas. Get down! I'm not stupid, Gene. Something is going on, and it's high time you tell me the truth. Freeze, Americano! Huh? Oh! Gene, run! So travel before it's too late. Your money will return. Your time won't. And we're all too quickly approaching that final destination. Listen to Fodor's Guide to Espionage on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. And this is something, by the way, that is, I think, pretty directly relevant to everybody listening. Because one of the stories, probably underreported stories, we've talked about it from time to time here. You know, it was something that kind of was was in the DNA of the original, you know, run of it could happen here. But probably we could stand to talk about it a lot more, is the rise of the most common term these guys use for themselves is constitutional sheriffs, right? And there is this, this is a longstanding belief on the far right. It comes out of really the 70s and 80s is when a lot of this stuff started cooking. But this belief that has kind of formed over, you know, particularly the last 20 years that the sheriff constitutionally is the highest law of the land, basically, Right. Um, and so you can have sheriffs who refuse to 
particularly, and this is where it comes in most often, refuse to enforce gun control laws, right? Right. Um, and this is sort of, you've got a lot, you know, a lot of, some of this came, got sort of like mixed in with a lot of the election uh, uh, bullshit on the right, where like you had a lot of sheriffs, you know, um, there was a lot of concern as to how they would respond to uh, states and and the federal government sort of enforcing you know, um, uh, or stopping, you know, the Trump administration from doing some certain things around the counting of votes. You know, there was a lot of real like concern about that. And I think this is something that is going to continue to be more and more of a problem because a lot of these sheriff's departments are completely out of fucking pocket, right? These are, and by the way, with sheriff departments, not that being part of a police hierarchy in a traditional sense provides much restraint, but sheriffs are completely fucking out there, right? Like they are, there are not, it does vary from state to state, but there's not any sort of like central requirement about like what it takes to be a sheriff or a sheriff's deputy. A lot of them are just dudes, right? Like that's right. why you had, it was either in New Mexico or Arizona, like a small sheriff's department basically selling to like celebrities. You can become a sheriff's deputy here, like work a weekend a year and then you can carry a concealed handgun wherever because cops get that right, you know? Right, right. Like, yeah. 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 So I just want to be clear because what you're talking about and, and how it pertains to New Mexico is is both 100 percent correct and yeah. has and has and has happened here. Um, it could happen here, but yeah. is uh, but in the case of this yes, yes. issue right I now, I to bring that up. Yeah. Yeah. Bernalillo County Sheriff took office this year. He is a Democrat. Yes. Um, he's a man of color. Uh, not, this is not me making excuses for cops, but I, just to be clear about this and he is generally disliked by the right and has been seen as, you know, whatever soft on crime and stuff, which he hates, um, and has tried, he's tried real hard to sort of buck that position. Um, and, and so, and, and that, which, which makes this all the maybe worse, right? That, that, yeah, a, yeah. a Democrat elected in a Democratic county with a, you know, the, the city, the, the state's largest Democratic municipality, right? Like for that guy to be like, yeah, I'm not gonna, not gonna do this. Um, and, and I also, there's something that needs to be said here. You you cited some great, well, tragic statistics about my state, um, and specifically about Albuquerque uh, earlier. And and this is a public health crisis, right? Gun yes, violence, ab- absolutely. It, yeah, it's uh, out again, of hand. W- when you're seeing the number of homicides basically yeah. double, you know, right. in the space of a fucking year, that that is a that's a crisis. Something needs to be <laughs> done, right? Right, yeah. right. And and so one of one of one of the big things that hasn't, I don't think, been said loud enough is that if if we you know you know if if we all agree that it is a crisis a 30-day ban is not gonna it's not gonna do anything and it's certainly not gonna address the root causes and i i actually very reluctantly have to hand it to the sheriff for his statements yesterday because as he put it um he has enough crime to deal with He's yeah. got enough going on that his deputies have to have to deal with right now to to then go and enforce this arbitrary rule or, you know, order. Uh, it's not a it's not a law. It's the uh, yeah. but you know what I mean? Um, 
so so that's another thing right like this is you're you're we're dealing with a public health crisis by putting the impetus on law enforcement which is the whole problem with you know the way that this country deals with um you know the 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 quote unquote drug problem and and let's be very clear here when the governor issued her order on friday she issued two orders one uh is called uh, the one with the one with dealing with guns is declaring state of public health emergency due to gun violence. But the, at the same time, she issued one saying declaring state of public health emergency due to drug abuse. And there, you know, for her, these things are related. Yeah. Uh, and, and she's, you know, she's trying to tie them together. Um, and I think we all know that given the last 40 years of American history, dealing with drugs via, you know, law enforcement, has not done anything to help the problem. And uh, and so that it just, again, this is one of those things where it feels counterintuitive for a governor who, you know, generally um, the Democrats of this state support, uh, who has won by fairly large margins in both of her elections um, and, and has a, a Democratic majority in her legislature, that for her then to... Um, issue this order and put more uh requirements on her law enforcement that she's expecting to yeah. you know also then carry it just doesn't it doesn't make sense right and so that's where we're all um it's, scrambling it's it's there's a couple of things that find, make this so dangerous one is that it's this unnecessary own goal right you know as you stated this is not this and and I didn't want to be uh, sort of intimating that he was th- this sheriff is not particularly tied in directly to some of these longer standing weird constitutional sheriff things but it does tie into this this pattern of sort of conservatives backing sheriffs against uh con- like state power and against federal power that they dislike and in this case one of the things that makes this so toxic is they have a point right this this order is not constitutional and giving right. them ammunition like that is number one, it strengthens right wing organizing in a way that is, you know, dangerous, but also it's completely unnecessary. It's complete. It, it, it does not address the problem. And the problem is 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 very like extremely serious. And so I, I find this kind of distracting from realistic solutions here, you know, which which, by the way, can, can you know, probably do um, to some extent involve restricting you know, uh, certain uh, the ability of people to carry in certain situations, to carry in certain ways in certain situations. I think sure. one of the I, yeah oh yeah yeah no no yeah, if you yeah. Have a, well I was just gonna I just want to you know for for folks interested in you know what New Mexico has done um, things that have happened in the under this administration are there are there have been some advancements that as a gun owner I support one was closing private sales as a thing. Um, you know, I grew up buying guns out of the backs of cars. Yeah. Um, uh, wild. St- I have some wild stories about that. Um, but that was a fully legal thing to do. We had private sure. sales in this in the state. Well, I bought um, a lot of car guns. You know? Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. And it I, is fun, but we should probably. Right. Probably that's not <laughs> Probably right. there should probably. be some. Yeah. Probably. <laughs> yeah. Um, and especially. And. And especially for those of us that don't have anything restricting us from purchasing firearms, there's no reason to not just do anyway. So so that being said, so the New Mexico did did end private sales. uh, So that's one thing. And then this last year, um, we instituted 
it's not a full safe storage law, but it it goes a long way into into instituting a safe storage law. It specifically um, creates a situation where if a minor gets access to a gun that was not secured and then commits a crime with it, then the per the owner of that firearm is then held liable. Um, and it has been used now twice in two fairly high profile tragic shootings um, yeah. in the state. Oh, I should note here. A decent number of the recent spike in homicides have been children getting access to firearms owned by adults, yes. either accidentally or purposefully using them to shoot and, yeah. and kill people. Right? Yeah. So yeah. As, as you, yeah, the law, the law is the law is called the Benny Hargrove Act, and which was uh, named in in honor of a of a young man who was killed at a middle school by a fellow middle schooler uh, with a gun that the guy got off of, you know, that the kid got out of a, a you know a bedside drawer. Um, yeah. And uh, yeah, and as again, as a firearm owner, like I, I'm sitting across from my safe right now, I, uh -huh. I keep my guns locked up. So there are there are practical solutions here. Yes. And um, and I know that this country has a hard time talking about guns without it getting <sighs> yeah. out of pocket very quickly. Um, but there are practical solutions. Um, we have, you know, one of the interesting responses from Democratic lawmakers in the state over the last, you know, three days has been a call for a special session of our legislature to discuss what some of those things might be. The trouble with that is that in the, everybody's got this like knee jerk thing and everybody wants to talk about crime. I'm using big air quotes crime um, and and which is in direct uh, counter, you know, counterance to the idea that this is a public health crisis. So, you know, we have a lot of reservations about what what might come out of a session like that. Um, we would have to do a lot of work to protect, you know, some of the things um, we've, we've, you know, we've done a lot to uh, protect people from the carceral system in this state, which is um, hella predatory. Um, and so those are protections we want to keep, you know, keep in place, but it's easy for the right, of course, to blame. Like that's the reason, the reason, the reason why shootings have increased is because, um, we let people who've been arrested for, um, you know, petty theft or something out of out of jail. Yeah. <laughs> and for some reason, that's why crime is up. I don't know. It doesn't make sense. But um, anyway, so, you know, it's even even with the solutions come more problems. But um, but yeah, there does seem to be this the 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 unintended consequences of this order seem to be the the not just the backlash, but then the sort of non-support from yeah. folks who would otherwise be supporting her. So, Enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Signing up and playing is so easy. Simply sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. When you register with BetMGM, you can get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, and the best daily promotions in the business. And with BetMGM at your fingertips, every play and every game matter more than ever. Place your money line, prop, and parlay bets with the king of sports books today. Sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets. If you don't win your first bet that's right up to $1,500 again sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet BetMGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly 21 plus and present in Ohio subject to eligibility requirements rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days gambling problem call 1-800-GAMBLER in partnership with MGM Northfield Park that's 1-800-GAMBLER Be 
Bean Dad, The Dress, 30 to 50 Feral Hogs. If you knew what any of those were, you spend too much time online. And hey, I do too. 16th Minute of Fame is a new weekly podcast hosted by me, Jamie Loftus, where every week I take a closer look at an internet character of the day. Who were they? What made them so notorious? Why did the internet choose them? And what does a person do when they're suddenly confronted with more attention than the human psyche can handle? I'll be talking to internet historians, experts, and yes, the main characters themselves to get a fuller picture. Because I think that even outside individual experiences, a character of the day tells us something about how the internet worked at that time and how the attention economy developed into the freaky three-headed dragon it is today. Together, we probably won't be able to properly log out, but we can take a walk down scary internet memory lane and see one day a little more clearly. Listen to 16th Minute of Fame on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. As important as choosing the right destination when traveling is choosing the right travel partner. Gene! Eugene Fodor! Gene, we'll boot it! Much of the joy you will find on the road comes from the person you share it with. So you write the books, Gene, and Vlastar on the business. I understand now. It's a wise man who marries a wiser woman. But be careful and choose your travel partner well, because the worst trips result when two partners have two different agendas. Get down! I'm not stupid, Gene. Something is going on, and it's high time you tell me the truth. Freeze, Americano! Huh? Oh! Gene, run! So travel before it's too late. Your money will return. Your time won't. And we're all too quickly approaching that final destination. Listen to Fodor's Guide to Espionage on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. I kind of want to close probably by talking about, and by, thank you for that, by the way, for that context, for talking about what I think is the underlying, a big part of the underlying cause here that is also a big part of a surge in violence in a number of states nationwide, which is that like, People are a lot of a significant chunk of this country has become unhinged since COVID. Um, I, I kind of suspect that has a lot to do with it. But you are seeing in a number of states a significant amount of like anti-social violence, um, violence that occurs because somebody cuts somebody off in traffic. Somebody gets into an argument at a store. You know, somebody gets into an argument at a parking lot. There have been a number of shootings as a result of this. Uh, it's happened. You know, this is a big part of the rise in gun violence in Texas, which is also tied, I think, to permitless carry to an extent. But like it is broader than that, too. Right. This is not purely a, a access to guns is why a lot of these crimes involve guns. But there's just been this rise in anti-social Social violence, a lot of which comes out of arguments or or perceived disrespect between one person and a group of people or two people or whatever. And I think this is probably tied into with a lot of the you know increase in political violence we've seen because a decent amount of it does arise out of that. And this is part of what I, I think is kind of disheartening about the governor's response here is that this is a very serious problem and the kind of knee-jerk reactions don't help it, but also like I don't know what does, right? You can you can deal with aspects of this problem, right? Maybe if people aren't just able to throw a gun in their pants and, and legally be carrying, there will be less of these shootings. But that doesn't deal with 
all of the underlying problem. And I, 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 I don't really know what does this kind of like increased willingness of Americans to resort to violence in interpersonal conflicts is a, a real issue. Yeah. I, oh, man, you, you said yeah. enough, there, Robert. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, uh, yeah. I think that, um, you know, I, I'm, I'm thinking of, I'm thinking about um, the first time I was able to go to a, a school function of my daughter's after after uh, COVID orders were lifted. And I remember I was uh, was with a family member and they were you know, they were the commenting on sort of people's bad behavior in in the auditorium. And, you know, and I had to remind them, I was like, you know, the these people have not been outside in, yeah, exactly. a, in a year and a half. <laughs> yeah. Uh, and, you know, and like specifically, like some of these little kids that are running around, they they maybe have never been to a function like this. You know what I mean? Like right. by the time by the time most three or four year olds have are, are going to, I don't know, like a baseball game or a band concert, you know, they've at some point it's the first time, but you know, they get used to it. They start to understand the rules of things. Um, but yeah, like after you know, if you grow up and you're all of a sudden you're five and you've never been to something like this, like you don't know you're supposed to sit down and be quiet and listen to the thing, right? Like you're just yeah. used to sitting on your phone. Anyway, so yeah, yeah, I, I definitely agree with you. Um I think in New Mexico, we're not isolated from other states in the sense that we have a rise in uh, drug use and related crime. We're not isolated in the sense we have a rise in, you know, our houseless population uh, in in lack of job or at least good jobs. Um, And and all of those things come together to make life hard, you know, and when life is hard, it 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 impacts people and they make, you know, bad decisions. Um, the thing that I think does hurt New Mexico and 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 is maybe what makes New Mexico unfortunately sort of stand out from some of its issues is um, you know, we are a very rural state. We have one fairly large city in Albuquerque, but even then, um, the surrounding parts of Albuquerque, just like the rest of the state, are very rural. Um, and there's a certain amount of you know, we just as a state, we are lacking resources and always have, you know, we rely so heavily on one industry and uh, without without the systems in place to um, ensure that people have a place to live or, you know, a, a meal to get a job to go to um, recreation that they can afford, things like that. I mean, it is tough. Um, it is just tough out there. And I'm I'm privileged and I get to, you know, I, I'm I'm raising my daughter in a home that, you know, we want for very little um, but I see it even in my, in my peer group, I see people who are struggling all the time yeah. and yeah, it's just tough out there, you know? It is, it is. And I honestly, you know, um, New Mexico and Oregon are similar in a lot of ways and that they're both very low popular. I think we're both at around 4 million people, if I'm not mistaken. Oh, New Mexico is um, only like 2 million. Oh, you're 2 million. So yeah, even, yeah. even less. So low population states that have one big city that kind of dominates politics, uh, but a very conservative kind of rural area in a lot of ways outside of that. Yep. And in both cases, that urban area has seen recent massive spikes in, in interpersonal violence and in, um, you know, uh, fatal issues due to drug use, right? Yeah. Um, now, one of the thing, obviously, one of the things Oregon has coming through it is because of all of the retirees and stuff here, like a much higher tax base, right? So there's theoretically more resources, although I tend to argue very incompetently applied, so most of those don't actually get out. But you do, you do have this kind of this. This is one of these places where this urban-rural divide is is 
is both a lot stricter and where this state that is the majority of the population um, and is dealing with such severe issues is also kind of the political center of, or this the city is also the political center of the state. Um, well, yeah, that and yeah. and just yeah, you absolutely hit on something there. You know, Albuquerque has been historically, you know, decentralized th- due to gentrification for the last generation um, because of exactly what you said, which is that re- retirement community. You know, um, out, out outside of oil and gas, and then the federal government yeah. in terms of like the labs and the universities and things like that. Um, like retirees are basically our third highest gener, you know, generative yeah. revenue. Um, agriculture's probably in there too, but you know what, you get what I'm saying. They're a very yeah. high portion. And yeah. And, and, you know, the Albuquerque that I grew up going to visit all of my family in um, and like going, you know, going downtown, going, you know, down to the international district, um, going near the university, you know, it never felt, it never felt I hate to use the word dangerous, but it never felt dangerous. Right. It never, it never felt that way at all to me. Not that it does, not that I feel danger to my, to my person uh, as a, you know, as a white cishet dude with a beard, like walking around, yeah. like I usually feel pretty safe in my person, but um, yeah, I can't say that I would, I have reflect that from everybody that I know that lives there and, and people make choices about where they go, what time of day, et cetera, et cetera. And a big part of that is because of the gentrification that has pushed the the you know native population of Albuquerque out into these more rural places. It makes it harder to get to um, you know get to groceries, get to jobs, get to transportation. Um, yeah, all of those are factors in this, and it's and it's not just a one size fits all solution. Yep. Well, Lucas, is there anything else you wanted to get into today? Oh, I mean, there's always something, but no, this was <laughs> this was great. Um, Thank you. Yeah, yeah, I appreciate you giving us the opportunity. It's um, you know, I I'm a I'm a longtime listener of the show and and when this issue came up, I I really was thinking about some of those topics you brought up, you know, way back in the the first run of it could happen here and thinking about the that conflict that exists between state entities and, you know, passing laws and enforcing laws and who does that and who doesn't and what does it mean if they don't. Yeah, yeah. So uh, this will continue to be uh, a topic of uh, <laughs> vibrant discussion. So I'm sure we'll 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 have you back in the very near future. Um, yeah, yeah, happy to come yeah. back for that. Yep, yep. All right, everybody. This is the uh, this has been an episode of it could happen here. You know, go go. Yeah, Lucas, you have any pluggables to plug before we roll out of here? Uh, yeah, sure. I mean, if you are interested, I'm on Twitter at Lucas Herndon and. Um, if you're curious about, you know, New Mexico politics, uh, progress now, New Mexico um, on all the socials. Most excellent. All right, everybody. Uh, this has been an episode. Go home. It Could Happen Here is a production of Cool Zone Media. For more podcasts from Cool Zone Media, visit our website, coolzonemedia.com, or check us out on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you listen to podcasts. You can find sources for It Could Happen Here updated monthly at coolzonemedia.com slash sources. Thanks for listening. Bean Dad, The Dress, 30 to 50 Feral Hogs. If you knew what any of those were, you spend too much time online. And hey, I do too. 16th Minute of Fame is a new weekly podcast hosted by me, Jamie Loftus. And every week we take a closer look at an internet character of the day. Who are they? What made them so notorious? 
How did the internet or the algorithm choose them? And what does a person do when they're suddenly confronted with more attention than the human psyche can handle? Listen to 16th Minute of Fame on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. As important as choosing the right destination when traveling is choosing the right travel partner. Gene! Gene Fodor! Gene was good! But be careful, because the worst trips result when two partners have two different agendas. The CIA really need your help, Gene. Freeze, Americano! Huh? Oh! Gene! Listen to Fodor's Guide to Espionage on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Bring a little optimism into your life with The Bright Side, a new kind of daily podcast from Hello Sunshine, hosted by me, Danielle Robay, and me, Simone Boyce. Every weekday, we're bringing you conversations about culture, the latest trends, inspiration, and so much more. I am so excited about this podcast, The Bright Side. You guys are giving people a chance to shine a light on their lives, shine a light on a little advice that they want to share. Listen to The Bright Side on America's number one podcast network, iHeart. Open your free iHeart app and search The Bright Side.